0: Welcome back, everyone, to 1001 Greatest Love Stories. This is your host, John Hagedorn. TODAY BOOK 1 CHAPTER 7 AND BOOK 2 CHAPTER 8 OF THE SUN ALSO RISES BY Ernest HEMINGWAY AND NOW CHAPTER 7 FROM THE SUN ALSO RISES AS I STARTED UP THE STAIRS, THE concierge KNOCKED ON THE GLASS OF THE DOOR OF HER LODGE, AND AS I STOPPED, SHE CAME OUT. SHE HAD SOME LETTERS AND A TELEGRAM. HERE'S THE POST, AND THERE WAS A LADY HERE TO SEE YOU. DID SHE LEAVE A CARD? NO, SHE WAS WITH A GENTLEMAN. "'It was the one who was here last night. "'In the end, I find she is very nice. "'Was she a friend of mine?' "'I don't know. "'He was never here before. "'He was very large. "'Very, very large. "'She was very nice. "'Very, very nice. "'Last night she was, perhaps, a little... "'She put her head on one hand "'and rocked it up and down. "'I'll speak perfectly frankly, "'Monsieur Barnes. "'Last night I found her not so genteel.' Last night I formed another idea of her. But listen to what I tell you. She is Trey, Trey, genteel. She is a very good family. It is a thing you can see. They didn't leave any word? Yes, they said they would be back in an hour. Please send them up when they come. Yes, Monsieur Barnes, and that lady. That lady there is someone, an eccentric, perhaps, but what a one, what a one. The concierge, before she became a concierge, had owned a drink-selling concession at the Paris race-courses. Her life-work lay in the pelouse, but she kept an eye on the people of the Passage, and she took great pride in telling me which of my guests were well brought up, which were of good family, which were sportsmen, and which best fitted a French word pronounced with the accent on the men. The only trouble was that people who did not fall into any of those three categories were very liable to be told there was no one home shay BARNES One of my friends, an extremely underfed looking painter, who was obviously to Madame Duzanel neither well brought up, of good family, or a sportsman, wrote me a letter asking if I could get him a pass to get by the concierge so he could come up and see me occasionally in the evenings. I went up to the flat wondering what Brett had done to the concierge. The wire was a cable from Bill Gorton, saying he was arriving on the France. I put the mail on the table, went back to the bedroom, "'Undressed and had a shower. "'I was rubbing down when I heard the doorbell pull. "'I put on a bathrobe and slippers and went to the door. "'It was Brett. "'Back of her was the Count. "'He was holding a great bunch of roses. "'Hello, darling,' said Brett. "'Aren't you going to let us in?' "'Come on. "'I was just bathing.' "'Aren't you the fortunate man, bathing? "'Only a shower. "'Sit down, Count Mepopopoulos. "'What will you drink?' I DON'T KNOW WHETHER YOU LIKE FLOWERS, SIR, THE COUNT SAID, BUT I TOOK THE LIBERTY OF JUST BRINGING THESE ROSES. HERE, GIVE THEM TO ME. BRETT TOOK THEM. GET ME SOME WATER IN THIS, JAKE. I FILLED THE BIG EARTHENWARE JUG WITH WATER IN THE KITCHEN, AND BRETT PUT THE ROSES IN IT AND PLACED THEM IN THE CENTER OF THE DINING-ROOM TABLE. I SAY, WE'VE HAD A DAY, BRETT SAID. YOU DON'T REMEMBER ANYTHING ABOUT A DATE WITH ME AT THE CREON? NO. DID WE HAVE ONE? "'I must have been blind.' "'You were quite drunk, my dear,' said the Count. "'Wasn't I, though? "'And the Count's been a brick, absolutely.' "'You've got hell's own drag with the concierge now.' "'I ought to have. "'Gave her two hundred francs.' "'Don't be a damn fool, Brett.' "'His,' she said, and nodded at the Count. "'I thought we ought to give her a little something for last night. "'It was very late.' "'He's wonderful,' Brett said. "'He remembers everything that's happened.' "'So do you, my dear.' "'Fancy,' said Brett. "'Who'd want to? "'I say, Jake, do we get a drink?' "'You get it while I go in and dress. "'You know where it is?' "'Rather.' "'While I dressed, I heard Brett put down glasses "'and then a siphon, and then heard them talking. "'I dressed slowly, sitting on the bed. "'I felt tired and pretty rotten.' "'Brett came in the room, a glass in her hand, and sat on the bed. "'What's the matter, darling? Do you feel rocky?' "'She kissed me coolly on the forehead. "'Oh, Brett, I love you so much.' "'Darling, darling,' she said. "'Then—' "'Do you want me to send him away?' "'No, he's nice.' "'I'll send him away.' "'No, don't.' "'Yes, I'll send him away.' "'You can't just like that.' "'Can't I, though? You stay here. "'He's mad about me, I tell you.' "'She was gone out of the room. "'I lay face down on the bed. "'I was having a bad time. "'I heard them talking, but I did not listen. "'Brett came in and sat on the bed. "'Poor old darling.' "'She stroked my head. "'What did you say to him?' "'I was lying with my face away from her. "'I didn't want to see her. "'I sent him for champagne.' "'He loves to go for champagne.' "'Then later... "'Do you feel better, darling? "'Is the head any better?' Yeah, "'That's better.' "'Lie quiet. "'He's gone to the other side of town.' "'Couldn't we live together, Brett? "'Couldn't we just live together?' "'I don't think so. "'I'd just chopper you with everybody. "'You couldn't stand it.' "'I'm standing it now.' "'That would be different. "'It's my fault, Jake.' It's just the way I'm made. Couldn't we go off in the country for a while? It wouldn't be any good. I'll go if you like. But I couldn't live quietly in the country, not with my own true love. I know. Isn't it rotten? There isn't any use my telling you I love you. You know I love you. Let's not talk. Talking's all bilge. I'm going away from you, and then Michael's coming back. "'Why are you going away?' "'Better for you. Better for me. "'When are you going?' "'Soon as I can.' "'Where?' "'San Sebastian.' "'Can't we go together?' "'No. That'd be a hell of an idea after we'd just talked it out.' "'We never agreed.' "'Oh, you know as well as I do. Don't be obstinate, darling.' "'Oh, sure,' I said. "'I know you're right. I'm just low.' "'and when I'm low I talk like a fool.' "'I sat up, leaned over, "'found my shoes beside the bed, "'and put them on. "'I stood up. "'Don't look like that, darling. "'How do you want me to look?' "'Oh, don't be a fool. "'I'm going away tomorrow.' "'Tomorrow?' "'Yes. Didn't I say so? "'I am.' "'Well, let's have a drink, then. "'The Count will be back.' "'Yes, he should be back. "'You know he's extraordinary "'about buying champagne.' "'It means any amount to him.' "'We went into the dining-room. "'I took up the brandy-bottle and poured Brett a drink, "'and one for myself. "'There was a ring at the bell-pole. "'I went to the door, and there was the Count. "'Behind him was the chauffeur, carrying a basket of champagne. "'Where should I have him put it, sir?' "'asked the Count. "'In the kitchen,' Brett said. "'I put it in there, Henry,' the Count motioned. "'Now, go down and get the ice.' He stood looking after the basket inside the kitchen door. "'I think you'll find that a very good wine,' he said. "'I know we don't get much of a chance to judge good wine in the States now, but I got this from a friend of mine that's in the business.' "'Oh, you always have someone in the trade,' Brett said. "'This fellow raises the grapes. He's got thousands of acres of them.' "'What's his name?' asked Brett. Viv Clicot "'No,' said the Count. Hm mm. Mums. He's a baron.' "'Isn't it wonderful?' said Brett. "'We all have titles. "'Why haven't you a title, Jake?' "'I assure you, sir,' the Count put his hand on my arm, "'it never does a man any good. "'Most of the time it costs you money.' "'Oh, I don't know. It's damned useful sometimes,' Brett said. "'I've never known it to do me any good. "'You haven't used it properly. "'I've had hell's own amount of credit on mine.' Do sit down, Count, I said. Let me take that stick. The Count was looking at bread across the table under the gaslight. She was smoking a cigarette and flicking the ashes on the rug. She saw me notice it. I say, Jake, I don't want to ruin your rugs. Can you give a chap an ashtray? I found some ashtrays and spread them around. The chauffeur came up with a bucket full of salted ice. Put two bottles in it, Henry, the Count called. Anything else, sir? No, wait down in the car. He turned to Brett and to me. We'll want to ride out to the Bois for dinner. If you like, Brett said. I couldn't eat a thing. I always like a good meal, said the Count. Uh, Should I bring wine in, sir? Asked the chauffeur. Yes, bring it in, Henry, said the Count. He took out a heavy pigskin cigar case and offered it to me. "'Like to try a real American cigar?' "'Thanks,' I said. "'But I'll finish the cigarette.' He cut off the end of his cigar with a gold cutter he wore on one end of his watch-chain. "'I like a cigar to really draw,' said the Count. "'Half the cigars you smoke don't draw.' He lit the cigar, puffed at it, looking across the table at Brett. "'And when you're divorced, Lady Ashley, then you won't have a title.' "'No, what a pity.' "'No,' said the Count. "'You don't need a title. "'You've got class written all over you.' "'Thanks. "'Awfully decent of you.' "'I'm not joking you.' "'The Count blew a cloud of smoke. "'You've got the most class of anybody I've ever seen. "'You've got it. "'That's all.' "'It's nice of you,' said Brett. "'Mummy would be pleased. "'Couldn't you write it out, and I'll send it in a letter to her?' "'I'd tell her, too,' said the Count.' "'I'm not joking you. "'I never joke people. "'Joke people and you make enemies. "'That's what I always say.' "'And you're right,' Brett said. "'You're terribly right. "'I always joke people and I haven't a friend in the world. "'Except Jake here.' "'You don't joke him.' "'That's it.' "'Do you know?' "'asked the Count. "'Do you joke him?' "'Brett looked at me and wrinkled up the corners of her eyes. "'No.' "'She said. "'I wouldn't joke him.' "'See?' said the Count. "'You don't joke him.' "'This is a hell of a dull talk,' Brett said. "'How about some of that champagne?' The Count reached down and twirled the bottles in the shiny bucket. "'It isn't cold yet. "'You're always drinking, my dear. "'Why don't you just talk?' "'I've talked too ready much. "'I talked myself all out to Jake.' "'I should like to hear you really talk, my dear. "'When you talk to me, you never finish your sentences at all. "'I'll leave them for you to finish. "'Let anyone finish them as they like.' Oh well, that's an interesting system.' "'The Count reached down and gave the bottles a twirl. "'Still, I'd like to hear you talk sometime.' "'Isn't he a fool?' Brett asked. "'Now,' the Count brought up a bottle. "'I think this is cool.' "'I brought a towel, and he wiped the bottle dry and held it up. "'I like to drink champagne from Magnums. "'The wine is better, but it would have been too hard to cool.' "'He held the bottle, looking at it. "'I put out the glasses. "'I say you might open it,' Brett suggested. "'Yes, my dear, and now I'll open it.' "'It was amazing champagne.' "'I say that is wine.' "'Brett held up her glass.' "'We ought to toast something. "'Here's to royalty.' "'This wine is too good for toast-drinking, my dear. "'You don't want to mix emotions up with a wine like that. "'You lose the taste.' "'Brett's glass was empty. "'You ought to write a book on wines, Count,' I said. "'Mr. Barnes,' answered the Count. "'All I want out of wines is to enjoy them.' "'Let's enjoy a little more of this.' "'Brett pushed her glass forward.' "'The Count poured very carefully. "'There, my dear. "'Now you enjoy that slowly, "'and then you can get drunk.' "'Drunk?' "'My dear, you are charming when you're drunk.' "'Yeah, listen to the man, Brett. "'Mr. Barnes.' "'The Count poured my glass full. "'She is the only lady I've ever known "'who is as charming when she was drunk "'as when she was sober. "'You haven't been around much, have you?' "'Yes, my dear.' I HAVE BEEN AROUND VERY MUCH. I'VE BEEN AROUND A VERY GREAT DEAL. DRINK YOUR WINE, SAID BRETT. WE'VE ALL BEEN AROUND. I DARE SAY Jake here HAS SEEN AS MUCH AS YOU HAVE. MY DEAR, I'M SURE MR. BARNES HAS SEEN A LOT. DON'T THINK THAT I DON'T THINK SO, SIR. I'VE SEEN A LOT, TOO. OF COURSE YOU HAVE, MY DEAR, BRETT SAID. I WAS ONLY RAGGING. I'VE BEEN IN SEVEN WARS AND FOUR REVOLUTIONS, THE COUNT SAID. Soldiering," Brett asked. "'Sometimes, my dear. And I've got arrow wounds. Have you ever seen arrow wounds?' "'Let's have a look at them.' The Count stood up, unbuttoned his vest, and opened his shirt. He pulled up the undershirt onto his chest and stood, his chest black and big stomach muscles bulging under the light. "'You see them?' Below the line where his ribs stopped were two raised white welts, "'See on the back where they came out?' "'Above the small of the back "'were the same two scars, "'raised as thick as a finger. "'I say, those are something. "'Clean through.' "'The count was tucking in his shirt. "'Where did you get those?' "'I asked. "'In Abyssinia, when I was twenty-one years old.' "'What were you doing?' "'asked Brett. "'Were you in the army?' "'Actually, I was on a business trip, my dear.' "'I told you he was one of us, didn't I?' "'Brett turned to me. "'I love you, Count. "'You're a darling. "'You make me very happy, my dear. "'But it isn't true.' "'Don't be an ass.' "'You see, Mr. Barnes, "'it's because I've lived very much "'that now I can enjoy everything so well. "'Don't you find it like that?' "'Yes, absolutely.' "'I know,' said the Count. "'That is the secret.' "'You must get to know the values.' "'Doesn't anything ever happen to your values?' Brett asked. "'No, not anymore.' "'Never fall in love?' "'Always,' said the Count. "'I'm always in love.' "'What does that do to your values?' "'That, too, has got a place in my values.' "'You haven't any values. You're dead, that's all.' "'No, my dear.' "'You're not right. I'm not dead at all.' "'We drank three bottles of the champagne, "'and the Count left the basket in my kitchen. "'We dined at a restaurant in the Bois. "'It was a good dinner. "'Food had an excellent place in the Count's values. "'So did wine. "'The Count was in fine form during the meal. "'So was Brett. "'It was a good party. "'So where would you like to go?' "'asked the Count after dinner. "'We were the only people left in the restaurant.' The two waiters were standing over against the door. They wanted to go home. "'We might go up on the hill,' Brett said. "'Haven't we had a splendid party?' The Count was beaming. He was very happy. "'You are very nice people,' he said. He was smoking a cigar again. "'Why don't you get married, you two? "'We want to lead our own lives,' I said. "'We have our careers,' Brett said. "'Come on.' Let's get out of here. Have another brandy, the Count said. Get it on the hill. No, have it here, where it's quiet. You and your quiet, said Brett. What is it men feel about quiet? We like it, said the Count. Like you like noise, my dear. All right, said Brett. Let's have one. Sommelier, the Count called. "'Yes, sir.' "'What's the oldest brandy you have?' "'1811, sir.' "'Then bring us a bottle.' "'I say, don't be obstentatious. Call him off, Jake.' "'Listen, my dear, I get more value for my money in old brandy than in any other antiquities.' "'Got many antiquities?' "'I've got a houseful.' Finally we went up to Montmartre. Inside Zellies it was crowded, smoky and noisy.' The music hit you as you went in. Brett and I danced. It was so crowded we could barely move. The black drummer waved at Brett. We were caught in the jam, dancing in one place in front of him. How are you? Great. That's good. He was all teeth and lips. He's a great friend of mine, Brett said. Damn good drummer. The music stopped and we started toward the table where the count sat. Then the music started again, and we danced. I looked at the count. He was sitting at the table, smoking a cigar. The music stopped again. Let's go over. Brett started toward the table. The music started, and again we danced. Tight in the crowd. You're a rotten dancer, Jake. Michael's the best dancer I know. He's splendid. He's got his points. I like him, I said. I'm damn fond of him. I'm going to marry him. "'Brett said. "'Funny. "'I haven't thought about him for a week.' "'Don't you write him?' "'Not I. "'Never write letters.' "'I'll bet he writes to you.' "'Rather. "'Damn good letters, too.' "'When are you going to get married?' "'How do I know? "'As soon as we can get the divorce. "'Michael's trying to get his mother to put up for it.' "'Could I help you?' "'Don't be an ass.' Michael's people have loads of money. The music stopped. We walked over to the table. The Count stood up. "'Very nice,' he said. "'You looked very, very nice.' "'Don't you dance, Count?' I asked. "'No, I'm too old.' "'Oh, come off it,' Brett said. "'My dear, I would do it if I would enjoy it. I enjoy watching you dance.' "'Splendid,' Brett said. "'I'll dance again for you some time. "'I say, what about your little friend, Zizi?' "'Let me tell you. "'I support that boy, "'but I don't want to have him around. "'He is rather hard. "'You know, I think that boy's got a future, "'but personally I don't want him around. "'Jake feels rather the same way about him. "'He gives me the willies.' "'Well?' "'The Count shrugged his shoulders. "'About his future you can't ever tell. "'Anyhow,' his father was a great friend of my father. Come on, let's dance, Brett said. We danced. It was crowded and close. Oh, darling, Brett said, I'm so miserable. I had that feeling of going through something that has all happened before. You were happy a minute ago, I said. The drummer shouted, You can't two-time! It's all gone. What's the matter? I don't know. I just feel terribly. The drummer chanted, then turned to his sticks. Want to go? I had the feeling as in a nightmare of it all being something repeated, something I'd been through and that now I must go through again. The drummer sang softly. Let's go, said Brett. You don't mind. The drummer shouted and grinned at Brett. All right, I said. We got out from the crowd. Brett went to the dressing room. Brett wants to go, I said to the Count. He nodded. Does she? That's fine. You take the car. I'm going to stay here for a while, Mr. Barnes. We shook hands. It was a wonderful time, I said. I wish you would let me get this. I took a note out of my pocket. Mr. Barnes, don't be ridiculous, the Count said. "'Brett came over with her wrap on. "'She kissed the Count and put her hand on his shoulder "'to keep him from standing up. "'As we went out the door, I looked back, "'and there were three girls at his table. "'We got into the big car. "'Brett gave the chauffeur the address of her hotel. "'No, don't come up,' she said at the hotel. "'She had rung, and the door was unlatched. "'Really?' "'No, please.' "'Good-night, Brett.' I said, I'm sorry you feel bad. Good night, Jake. Good night, darling. I won't see you again. We kissed standing at the door. She pushed me away. We kissed again. Oh, don't, Brett said. She turned quickly and went into the hotel. The chauffeur drove me around to my flat. I gave him twenty francs, and he touched his cap and said, Good night, sir, and drove off. I rang the bell, the door opened, and I went upstairs and went to bed. I'd like to take a moment here to shed a little light on this last chapter, Chapter 7, Book 1. As Jake and Brett are dancing at that Paris nightclub, Zillies, the black drummer calls out a greeting to them using a distinctly American Southern drawl. Knowing that Hemingway was using actual persons for his character sketches, I could safely say that this drummer's name "'was Eugene Boulard, "'and what an incredible story this man had. "'I covered it at 1001 Heroes "'in a three-part series called "'All Blood Runs Red. "'He left America in his late teens, "'stowing away on a German freighter "'that wound up in Glasgow, "'and soon worked his way to Paris, "'the city where, as his father had put it, "'you won't have to come across discrimination, "'and you can make anything out of yourself you want. Boulard then joined the French Foreign Legion,' when World War I broke out. He was wounded, then rejoined the French Air Force, knowing his wound wouldn't affect his ability to fly, and shot down German fighters as the first black American pilot to ever fly a fighter plane. He won France's most coveted medal, the Croix de Guerre. After the war, he melted into jazz-age Paris, playing drums, then working as a talent manager for some large nightclubs, and eventually buying one. He soon married a white Paris socialite and had two children. When World War II broke out, he rejoined the military and was seriously wounded by a shell blast. His wife had divorced him, but his children, two daughters, were sent safely to the States to wait for him. He eventually joined them, working first selling French perfume in New York City, and later as an unknown elevator doorman in the NBC building in New York City, where our story starts. While I was working on the story, having seen many pictures of him in the books and articles I researched. I knew exactly what he looked like then. The strangest part of this story is that I was just finished in my office working on that story when I went to a nearby Chinese restaurant to order a takeout and was waiting in a seat when Bullard's exact double walked in and sat opposite my table. He didn't walk to the counter. His countenance sitting there was friendly but quiet. He just sat there, I tried not to stare, but I felt I was looking at Eugene Boulard, enough so that a cold chill went down my spine, I remember. I'm convinced to this day that it was his ghost, or spirit, or whatever you want to call it. When my order came up, I walked up to pick it up, and when I turned to leave, he was no longer there. I've done many historical bios, many stories dealing with people of the past, and rarely, but sometimes, things happen and this was one. I encourage you to give our story at 1001 Heroes Podcast, All Blood Runs Red, a try. It's an incredible story. I was able in that story to find an actual recording of the jazz band working at Zillies during the time Hemingway and his pals were frequenting the dance clubs in Paris. If I got the name Zillies wrong, please forgive me, but at the top of this story, I do mention the name of that nightclub. We'll return with book two right after these sponsor messages. "'and back to the beginning. "'I did not see Brett again "'until she came back from San Sebastian. "'One card came from her from there. "'It had a picture of the concha, "'and said, "'Darling, very quiet and healthy. "'Love to all the chaps. "'Brett.' "'Nor did I see Robert Cohn again. "'I heard Francis had left for England, "'and I had a note from Cohn "'saying he was going out in the country "'for a couple of weeks. "'He did not know where.' "'but that he wanted to hold me to the fishing trip in Spain we had talked about last winter. "'I could reach him always,' he wrote, through his bankers. "'Brett was gone. "'I was not bothered by Cone's troubles. "'I rather enjoyed not having to play tennis. "'There was plenty of work to do. "'I went often to the races, dined with friends, "'and put in some extra time at the office getting things ahead "'so I could leave it in charge of my secretary "'when Bill Gordon and I should shove off to Spain the end of June.' "'Bill Gordon arrived, put up a couple of days at the flat, "'and went off to Vienna. "'He was very cheerful and said the states were wonderful. "'New York was wonderful. "'There had been a grand theatrical season "'and a whole crop of great young light heavyweights. "'Any one of them was a good prospect to grow up, "'put on weight, and trim Dempsey. "'Bill was very happy. "'He had made a lot of money on his last book "'and was going to make a lot more. "'We had a good time while he was in Paris.' and then he went off to Vienna. He was coming back in three weeks, and we would leave for Spain to get in some fishing and go to the fiesta at Pamplona. He wrote that Vienna was wonderful. Then a card from Budapest. Jake, Budapest is wonderful. Then I got a wire. Back on Monday. Monday evening he turned up at the flat. I heard his taxi stop and went to the window and called to him. He waved and started upstairs carrying his bags. I met him on the stairs... "'I took one of the bags. "'Well?' I said. "'I hear you had a wonderful trip.' "'Wonderful,' he said. "'Budapest is absolutely wonderful.' "'How about Vienna?' "'Not so good, Jake. "'Not so good. "'It seemed better than it was.' "'How do you mean?' "'I was getting glasses and a siphon.' "'Tight, Jake. "'I was tight.' "'That's strange. "'Better have a drink.' "'Bill rubbed his forehead.' "'Remarkable thing,' he said. "'Don't know how it happened. "'Suddenly it happened.' "'Last long?' Four days, Jake. "'Lasted just four days.' "'Where did you go?' "'Don't remember. "'I wrote you a postcard. "'I remember that perfectly.' "'Do anything else?' "'Not so sure. "'Possible.' "'Go on. "'Tell me about it.' "'Can't remember. "'Tell you anything I could remember.' Go on, take that drink and see if you remember. I might remember a little, Bill said. Remember something about a prize fight. Enormous Vienna prize fight. Had a black in it. I remember the black perfectly. Go on. Looked like tiger flowers, only four times as big. All of a sudden everybody started to throw things. Not me. This black guy just knocked the local boy down. THE BLACK GUY PUT UP HIS GLOVE, WANTED TO MAKE A SPEECH, AWFUL NOBLE-LOOKING MAN, STARTED TO MAKE A SPEECH, THEN THE LOCAL WHITE BOY HIT HIM, THEN HE KNOCKED THE WHITE BOY COLD, THEN EVERYBODY COMMENCED TO THROW CHAIRS, THE BLACK GUY WENT HOME WITH US IN OUR CAR, COULDN'T GET HIS CLOTHES, wore MY COAT, I REMEMBER THE WHOLE THING NOW, BIG SPORTING EVENING, WHAT HAPPENED? "'I loaned him some clothes and went around with him to try and get his money. "'They claimed he owed them money on account of wrecking the hall. "'I wonder who translated. "'Was it me?' "'Probably wasn't you.' "'No, you're right. "'Wasn't me at all. "'Was another fellow. "'I think we called him the local Harvard man. "'I remember him now, studying music.' "'How'd you come out?' "'Not so good, Jake. "'Injustice everywhere.' promoter claimed the black guy promised to let the local boy stay. He claimed the black guy violated the contract. You just can't knock out Vienna boy in Vienna. My God, Mr. Gordon, said the black guy. I didn't do nothing in here for forty minutes but try and let him stay. That white boy must have ruptured himself swinging at me. I never did hit him. Did you get any money? No money, Jake. All we could do was get his clothes. Somebody took his watch, too." "'Splendid fighter. "'Big mistake to have come to Vienna. "'Not so good, Jake. "'Not so good. "'What became of the fighter?' "'Went back to Cologne. "'Lives there. Married. "'Got a family. Going to write me a letter and send me the money I loaned him. "'Wonderful man. "'Hope I gave him the right address.' "'Yeah, you probably did. "'Well, anyway, let's eat,' said Bill. "'Unless you want me to tell you some more travel stories?' "'Go on.' "'Now let's eat.' "'We went downstairs "'and out onto the boulevard St. Michael "'in the warm June evening. "'Where will we go? "'Want to eat on the island?' "'Sure.' "'We walked down the boulevard. "'At the juncture of the rue Denfert-Rochereau "'with the boulevard "'is a statue of two men in flowing robes. "'I know who they are,' "'Bill eyed the monument. "'Gentlemen who invented pharmacy. "'Don't try and fool me on Paris.' We went on. Here's a taxidermist, Bill said. Want to buy anything? A nice stuffed dog? Come on, I said. You're pie-eyed. Pretty nice stuffed dogs, Bill said. Certainly brighten up your flat. Come on. It'll mean everything in the world to you after you bought it. Simple exchange of values. You give them money, they give you a stuffed dog. Tell you what, we'll get one on the way back. I said. All right, have it your own way. Road to hell is paid with unbought stuffed dogs. It's not my fault. We went on. How'd you feel that way about dogs so sudden? Always felt that way about dogs. Always been a great lover of stuffed animals. We stopped and had a drink. Certainly liked to drink, Bill said. You ought to try it sometimes, Jake. No, you're about a 144 ahead of me. "'Ought not to daunt you. "'Never be daunted. "'Secret of my success. "'Never been daunted. "'Never been daunted in public.' "'Where were you drinking?' "'Stopped at the Creon. "'George made me a couple of Jack Roses. "'George is a great man. "'Know the secret of his success? "'Never been daunted.' "'You'll be daunted after about three more pernodes.' "'Not in public.' "'If I begin to feel daunted, I'll go off by myself. "'I'm like a cat that way. "'When did you see Harvey Stone?' "'At the Creon. "'Harvey was just a little daunted. "'Hadn't eaten for three days. "'He doesn't eat anymore. "'He just goes off like a cat. "'Pretty sad.' "'He's all right.' "'Splendid. "'I wish he wouldn't keep going off like a cat, though. "'Makes me nervous.' "'So what'll we do tonight?' doesn't make any difference. Only let's not get daunted. You suppose they got any hard-boiled eggs here? If they had hard-boiled eggs here, we wouldn't have to go all the way down to the island to eat. Nix, I said. We're going to have a regular meal. Just a suggestion, said Bill. Want to start now? Yeah, come on. We started on again down the boulevard. A horse cab passed us. Bill looked at it. See that horse cab? "'I'm going to have that horse cab stuffed for you for Christmas. "'I'm going to give all my friends stuffed animals. "'I'm a nature rider.' "'A taxi passed. "'Someone in it waved, then banged for the driver to stop. "'The taxi backed up to the curb. "'In it was Brett. "'Beautiful lady,' said Bill. "'Going to kidnap us.' "'Hello,' Brett said. "'Hello?' "'This is Bill Gordon. "'Bill, Lady Ashley.' "'Brett smiled at Bill. "'I say I'm just back. "'Haven't even bathed. "'Michael comes in tonight. "'Good. "'Come on and eat with us, "'and we'll all go to meet him. "'I must clean myself. "'Oh, Rot, come on. "'Must bathe. "'He doesn't get until nine. "'Well, come and have a drink, then, "'before you bathe. "Mm, "'Might do that. "'Now you're not talking, Rot.' "'We got in the taxi. "'The driver looked around.' Stop at the nearest bistro, I said. We might as well go to the Closerie, Brett said. I can't drink these rotten brandies. Driver, Closerie de l'evis Brett turned to Bill. Have you been in this pestilential city long? I just got in today from Budapest, Bill said. How was Budapest? Wonderful. Budapest was wonderful. Ask him about Vienna. Vienna, said Bill, is a strange city. Very much like Paris. Brett smiled at him, wrinkling the corners of her eyes. Exactly, Bill said. Very much like Paris at this moment. You have a good start. Sitting out on the terraces of the Leelas, Brett ordered a whiskey and soda. I took one too. And Bill took another Pernod. How are you, Jake? Great, I said. I've had a good time. Brett looked at me. I was a fool to go away, she said. One's an ass to leave Paris. Did you have a good time? Oh, all right. Interesting. Not frightfully amusing. See anybody? No, hardly anybody. I never went out. Didn't you swim? No, didn't do a thing. Sounds like Vienna, Bill said. "'Brett wrinkled up the corners of her eyes at him. "'So that's the way it was in Vienna,' she said. "'It was like everything in Vienna.' "'Brett smiled at him again. "'You've a nice friend, Jake.' "'He's all right,' I said. "'He's a taxidermist.' "'That was in another country,' Bill said. "'And besides, all the animals were dead.' "'One more,' Brett said, "'and I must run.' "'Do send the waiter for a taxi.' "'There's a whole line of them right up front.' "'Good.' We had the drink and put Brett into her taxi. "'Mind you're at the Select around ten. Make him come. Michael will be there.' "'We'll be there,' Bill said. The taxi started, and Brett waved. "'Quite a girl,' Bill said. "'She's damn nice. "'Who's Michael?' The man she's going to marry, Bill said. That's always just the stage I meet anybody. What'll I send them? Think they'd like a couple of stuffed racehorses?' We'd better eat. Is she really lady something or other? Bill asked in the taxi, on the way down to the Isle Saint Louis. Oh yes, in the stud book and everything. Well, well. We ate dinner at Madame Le Comte's restaurant on the far side of the island. "'It was crowded with Americans, "'and we had to stand up and wait for a place. "'Someone had put it in the American Women's Club list "'as a quaint restaurant on the Paris Quay, "'as yet untouched by Americans, "'so we had to wait 45 minutes for a table. "'Bill had eaten at the restaurant in 1918 "'and right after the armistice, "'and Madame Le Comte had made a great fuss "'over seeing him. "'Doesn't get us a table, though,' Bill said. Grand woman, though. "'We had a good meal, a roast chicken,' new green beans, mashed potatoes, a salad, and some apple pie and cheese. "'You've got the world here, all right,' Bill said to Madame Lecomte. She raised her hand. "'Oh, my God!' "'You'll be rich.' "'I hope so. After a coffee and a fine, we got the bill, chalked up the same as ever on a slate, that was doubtless of the quaint features, paid it, shook hands, and went out. "'You never come here any more, Monsieur Barnes,' Madame Lecombe said. "'Too many compatriots. "'Come at lunchtime. "'I'll be by soon. "'We walked down under the trees "'that grew out over the river "'on the Quai d'Orleans side of the island. "'Across the river were the broken walls "'of old houses that were being torn down. "'They're going to cut a street through.' "'They would,' Bill said. "'We walked on and circled the island. "'The river was dark, "'and a bateau mouche went by, "'all bright with lights,' going fast and quiet up and out of sight under the bridge. Down the river was Notre Dame, squatting against the night sky. We crossed to the left bank of the Seine by the wooden footbridge, from the Quai de Bethune, and stopped on the bridge and looked down the river at Notre Dame. Standing on the bridge, the island looked dark. The houses were high against the sky, and the trees were shadows. It's pretty grand, Bill said. God, I'd love to get back. "'We leaned on the wooden rail of the bridge "'and looked up the river to the lights of the big bridges. "'Below, the water was smooth and black. "'It made no sound against the piles of the bridge. "'A man and a girl passed us. "'They were walking with their arms around each other. "'We crossed the bridge "'and walked up the Rue du Cardinal Lemoine. "'It was steep walking, "'and we went all the way up to the Place Contrescarpe. "'The arc-light shone through the leaves of the trees in the square and underneath the trees was an S-bus ready for start. Music came out of the door of the Neu... Through the window of the Café aux Amateurs, I saw the long zinc bar. Outside on the terrace, working people were drinking. In the open kitchen of the Amateurs, a girl was cooking potato chips in oil. There was an iron pot of stew. The girl ladled some into a plate for an old man who stood holding a bottle of red wine in one hand. Want a drink? No said Bill. I don't need it. We turned to the right off the Place Country Scarp, walking along smooth, narrow streets with high old houses on both sides. Some of the houses jutted outward toward the street. Others were cut back. We came onto the Rue de Pot de Verre and followed it along until it brought us to the rigid north and south of the Rue Saint-Jacques, and then walked south, past Val de Grasse, set back behind the courtyard and the iron fence, to the Boulevard de Port Royal. What do you want to do? I asked. Go up to the cafe and see Brett and Mike. Why not? We walked along Port Royal until it became Montparnasse, and then on past the Lillas, Lavignes, and all the little cafes, Moines, Crossed the street to the Rotonde, past its lights and tables to the Select. Michael came toward us from the tables. He was tanned and healthy looking. Hello, Jake. He said. Hello, hello. How are you, old lad? "'You look very fit, Mike.' "'Oh, I am. I'm frightfully fit. "'I've done nothing but walk, walk, all day long. "'One drink a day with my mother at tea.' "'Bill had gone into the bar. "'He was standing talking with Brett, "'who was sitting on a high stool, her legs crossed. "'She had no stockings on. "'It's good to see you, Jake,' Michael said. "'I'm a little tight, you know. "'Amazing, isn't it? "'Did you see my nose?' "'There was a patch of dried blood on the bridge of his nose.' An old lady's bags did that, Mike said. I reached up to help her with them, and they fell on me. Brett gestured at him from the bar with her cigarette holder and wrinkled the corners of her eyes. An old lady, said Mike. Her bags fell on me. Let's go in and see Brett, I say. She's a piece. You are a lovely lady, Brett. Where did you get that hat? Chap bought it for me. Don't you like it? It's a dreadful hat. Do get a good hat. "'Oh, we've so much money now,' Brett said. "'I say, haven't you met Bill yet? "'You're a lovely host, Jake.' She turned to Mike. "'This is Bill Gordon. "'This drunkard is Mike Campbell. "'Mr. Campbell is an undischarged bankrupt.' "'Aren't I, though? "'You know I met my ex-partner yesterday in London, "'chap who did me in.' "'What did he say?' "'Bought me a drink. "'I thought I might as well take it. "'I say, Brett, you're a lovely piece.' "'Don't you think she's beautiful?' "'Beautiful? "'With this nose?' "'It's a lovely nose. "'Go on, point it at me. "'Isn't she a lovely piece?' "'Couldn't we have kept the man in Scotland?' "'I say, Brett, let's turn in early. "'Don't be indecent, Michael. "'Remember, there are ladies at this bar.' "'Isn't she lovely? "'Don't you think so, Jake?' "'There's a fight tonight,' Bill said. "'Like to go?' "'A fight?' said Mike. Who's fighting? Ledoux and somebody. He's very good, Ledoux, Mike said. I'd like to see it, rather. He was making an effort to pull himself together. But I can't go. I had a date with this thing here. I say, Brett, do get a new hat. Brett pulled the felt hat down far over one eye and smiled up from under it. You two run along to the fight. I'll have to be taking Mr. Campbell home directly. I'm not tight, "'Mike said. "'Perhaps just a little. "'I say, Brett, you are a lovely piece. "'Go on to the fight,' Brett said. "'Mr. Campbell's getting difficult. "'What are these outbursts of affection, Michael?' "'I say, you are lovely.' "'We said good-night. "'I'm sorry I can't go,' Mike said. "'Brett laughed. "'I looked back from the door. "'Mike had one hand on the bar "'and was leaning toward Brett talking.' Brett was looking at him quite coolly, but the corners of her eyes were smiling. Outside on the pavement, I said, "'Do you want to go to the fight?' "'Sure,' said Bill, "'if we don't have to walk.' "'Mike was pretty excited about his girlfriend,' I said in the taxi. "'Well,' said Bill, "'you can't blame him a whole lot.'" Thanks for joining us today for chapters seven and eight of The Sun Also Rises. If you're enjoying our story, Please do take a moment and send us a review for 1001 Greatest Love Stories. We'll return next week with chapters 9 and 10 of The Sun Also Rises by Ernest Hemingway.